Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sportsman. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bigly and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bigly and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning, Valley sports fans. Happy Wednesday, everybody. We call them shenanigans Wednesdays. That's the shenanigans. Hand fruit time, hand fruit time. Yeah, so there's going to be all that weirdness today. You can can No hand fruit today, Danny. No, Danny, did you call Danny? Danny boy, Danny boy, no hand fruit today. No hand fruit today, Danny. It is Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. I am fasting until sundown tonight. That's right. There is no hand fruit time. Time for you today. That's that exactly owner. right. Got a lot of sins I need yeah, to do. Yeah, there's a lot of atoning you need to do. Yeah. That is for Starting sure. Starting with that Starting shirt. And the back hair. Can I say I'm stunned? <laughs> then again, that's not that's your fault. I can't your control hair. the back hair. That's not um, your fault. That's true. That's I'm surprised that as an adult uh, male, uh, you know, that you haven't made the decision that these uh, Jewish holidays that interfere with your diet oh. it's not been it's not been scrapped. There are you. a surprising number of Jewish holidays that do interfere with your diet. Yes, it, it is yes. a it is an interesting thing. But yeah, I I try to. I'm not particularly religious, but I do try to sort of keep my toe in the water. Yeah. just a few right. times a year. No, Even it, more it, surprising it, when it's food involved. Yeah, no, it's 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 really like it's like customized religion. It really Really is. It's, yeah. it's you, you. You do enough to not be saddled with eternal guilt. That's right. Yeah. Right. That's important. I mean, I and used to be that guy that didn't you, eat meat on Fridays during Lent. Enough. Right. I know. You've got to pay respects to these kind of stuff. Yeah. I, Lent. Four, Forty days. Right. Forty days is Lent. Yes. To uh, atone for your sins. Yes. One day. One day. Yom Kippur. So, Done. Yeah, well, listen. So my wife was all, "Why is the NFL playing on Rosh Hashanah? Why are they not observant of?" And I'm like, "Look, they're playing on Christmas too." Hmm. Yeah, that's e- true. It's sure. equal opportunity. And I don't think any of the Jewish players played on Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> <laughs> Did Josh Rosen play? <laughs> Who? Does he play no. on any day? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. He's taking off Christmas and Rosh Hashanah this year. Do you know, uh, I once had a radio partner, Mike Jarecki. You might have heard of him. He's, he's Catholic, and he's he's a good Catholic, and he goes to Mass every Sunday. And one day on Ash Wednesday, he came in, and I looked at it. I said, Mike, you got something on your forehead, man. You might want to wipe that off. <laughs> He looked at me like, dude. Not knowing it? Like, I had no idea. Oh, you weren't being like I was not. No, I wasn't being a jerk. I was actually being, well, I was being a jerk without knowing I was being a jerk. Yeah, unintentionally a being a jerk. Right, exactly. But you learned something that you know, day, Bic. Yeah, we did. So it's a We Got Weights and Fish Wednesday. Oh. The amount of cheating scandals that are going on in minor sports like chess, poker, fishing have all been rocked by cheating the sports scandals. World, the sports you would never think of. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. The, the cheating scandals, you can you can connect all the dots and say, what has happened to the morals of this country? Right. Or you could just focus on that bass tournament and the we got weights and fish line is just utterly tremendous. I understand how you cheat in poker. I understand how you cheat in fishing. Yeah. How do you cheat in chess? You haven't because you're playing. I, no, no, I know. I don't I think know. we can discuss the, the actual. Uh, I know no. physically uh-huh. how, details. I know physically how they cheated. Okay. But you're playing against. 
somebody else. Uh-huh. There's no right. like you're not like seeing their cards or you're not like weighing a fish. But like, but 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 the board is being seen by some process. I mean, you could see the board. I mean, I'm not know. smart enough to I, play chess. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Let alone cheat in chess. Yeah. <laughs> You're smart enough to cheat. Got to figure out the game first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we could go down that rabbit hole. We shall not. Start the show, Jarrett. The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. The Splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. And game 161 of the season, Aaron Judge finally did it. Judge hit the third pitch of the game from Texas starter Jesus Tinoco. There's your answer to the trivia question, by the way. Over the fence in left field to uh, finally eclipse Roger Maris as the American League's all-time single-season home run king with 62. Uh, The Rangers did take the second game of that doubleheader 3-2, but now Aaron Judge has been grinding going into game 162. Could finally enjoy a day off. He's played 157 games this year. I'm so happy for him that he got it because I'm not sure how much baseball needed it, but Aaron Judge, he put together such a great season. I'm glad that, that he got over that hurdle, if you will. Let's hope... Cross our fingers mm-hmm. that baseball doesn't join fishing, chess, and <laughs> poker. <laughs> that's right. As sports with marred with uh, right. cheating scandals. This yeah, week. that's that is true. Elsewhere in baseball, the D-backs got one hit. Let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One damn hit. One damn hit and a three nothing loss to the Milwaukee Brewers last night. Josh Rojas let off the eight, uh, seventh inning with a single, and that was it. The entire D-backs offense. Garrett Mitchell had a solo home run to start the scoring for Milwaukee. Larice, uh, Luis Urias hit a solo shot and RBI double off of starter Zach Gallen. D-back season comes to an end today as they try to avoid the sweep in Milwaukee against the Brewers at American Family Field. Merrill Kelly takes the mound for the D-backs against Brewers right-hander Corbin Burns, the reigning national. National League Cy Young Award winner. Like 14 other games in the big leagues today, the game gets underway at 110. So, uniform I, start times yeah, today. I, I hate this. I, I hate the fact that we're this deep into October and the regular season still isn't done yet. Yeah. But, I, and I know that this is not, this was not planned. But still, it's it's thrown. Today should be bunting should be on a field today. There should be a playoff game. Today. Nobody bunts anymore. <laughs> oh wait, I, I misunderstood. Uh, that game uh, gets underway at, uh, at one ten. Pre-game coverage twelve thirty on ESPN six twenty a.m. The Andy Isabella era in Arizona has come to an end. The Cardinals waived the fourth-year wide receiver on Tuesday to make room for newly signed veteran center Billy Price, whom they nabbed off the Raiders practice squad. In his four seasons in Arizona, Isabella caught 33 passes for 447 yards and three touchdowns. Only three of those catches have come uh, since the beginning of the 2021 season. The three wide receivers the Cardinals took in the 2019 draft, Isabella, Hakeem Butler, and Keyshawn Johnson, combined for 69 catches, 807 yards, and uh, three touchdowns. Price, by the way, was a first-round pick of the Bengals in 2018, played three years in Cincinnati before being traded to the Giants before the 2021 season, started 15 games for the Giants last year. Cardinals will be back on the practice field today, and we'll get our first look at the Week 5 injury report for both them and the Philadelphia Eagles, whom they host on Sunday. Uh, we'll yeah, have thoughts. So, so, so Cardinal veterans will have a lot, a lot in common.
common with Aaron Judge today? Day off, right? Is what yes. you're saying? Yes. Okay, okay. And they're not even chasing a record. No, no they're not. <laughs> Cardinals also signed kicker Matt Amendola to the practice squad and released quarterback Jarrett Garantano from the practice squad to make room. Uh, the Denver Broncos host the Indianapolis Colts on Thursday night football tomorrow. And yesterday, Broncos quarterback told uh, Russell Wilson told reporters he's super confident he'll play. Wilson has been affected by a right shoulder injury, but thinks he'll be able to play without limitations against the Colts. Be careful, though. It's spicy. It is spicy. Uh, for Indianapolis defending league champion, uh, league rushing champion, Jonathan Taylor did not practice on Tuesday. He's got an ankle injury, but according to reports, he is also planning to play. According to ESPN's Baxter Holmes, Robert Sarver has chosen the investment bank of Mo Ellison Company to oversee the sale of the Phoenix Suns and Mercury. And a quote from an investment bank source told Holmes, quote, it'll be the highest price ever paid for an NBA team. Holmes also wrote that Suns employees have been notified uh, by executive Jim Pittman that the complete sale of the franchise could take six to nine months and likely will bleed over into the 2023-24 season. So right. if you're looking for a quick fix with a sale this big, it ain't happening. Right. And, and it's also a heads up to the people who might not feel comfortable in their positions with the new owner mm-hmm. to sharpen up the resume. Yeah, that pop, kind of stuff. Pop up on a LinkedIn real quick. <laughs> Exactly. Suns are in action tonight as they take on the Lakers in preseason play at T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. Suns, of course, lost their preseason opener to Adelaide of the NBL on Sunday. The Lakers lost their opener to the Sacramento Kings by 30 on Monday. Tonight's game gets underway at 7. You can hear it here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And the Coyotes lost again in NHL preseason play, falling to the Vegas Golden Knights 4-3. Former Coyotes goalie Aiden Hill had 50 saves for Vegas, and William Carlson had the game winner for the Golden Knights with 158 left in the third period. Just 18 seconds after Alex Chason tied it for the Yotes on a power play goal. They are now 0-4-1 on the preseason and will take on Vancouver in British Columbia on Friday night. Still two preseason games to go. The NHL preseason lasts forever. No, Let's go! While we're we're young! young. Yeah, I don't They need to be like the NBA and cut it down to, what, three games, four games? The NBA used to play like seven or eight, too. Yeah, the NBA's got it right. They've they've kind of got it right now. And and real quick, just because you said nobody bunts anymore... Did you see that the Atlanta Braves yesterday had their first sack bunt of the season? In game 161, they (laughs) laid down as a team their first sacrifice bunt. That's unbelievable. They almost became the first team ever to go a full season without sacrifice bunting. That's unbelievable. I wonder why they did it. I mean, I know, right? By the way, the Braves clinched the NL East. They were in first place for eight days all season. Yeah. The Mets were in first place for 175 Every, days. That was, Everybody in New York is using that famous running guy meme. Oh, yeah, yeah. It has to, to kind of illustrate the, the race. The freeze. Yeah, that, right, him. The freeze, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. like the year the, the diamond. You, you really think Gamble could beat him? Absolutely. I think I could not, take him. Not, in a, not in, a regular, him. in a regular race, never, but in right, with that okay. big of a lead, yes. No, I, no, no, no the way. Is no. The answer is no. Because if that one guy that fe- fell couldn't be, that guy was fast, and that guy couldn't beat Freeze. I might be buying too much into the Gambo hype. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's There's no. your splash. That would be a perfect Jared thing to do. Get in shape and you you do that promotion. We will fly you to Atlanta yes. to go do that promotion. Jared has a better chance of beating the freeze right now than he does of getting in shape. <laughs> Sorry, Jared. Uh, There's your splash for Wednesday, October 5th. Uh, Coming up next, 
Cardinals making a move with a former second-round pick. Andy Isabella out. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata Mornings on 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. With the 62nd pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Arizona Cardinals select... Andy Isabella, wide receiver, UMass. That was the scene back in Nashville 2019. Larry Centers making the selection for the uh, Cardinals in the second round. We should have known right then. Did you hear the reaction in the background yeah, there? There was like, no reaction, whoa. and then one announcer was like, whoa. Ooh. <laughs> ah. Look, we're having you know a little fun with the music, the end-of-the-road music here. Andy Isabella was pissed off in the preseason. Last year was given permission to seek a trade. Couldn't find one. I apparently, you know, I imagine the Cardinals were looking uh, around the league to see if anybody had interest in Andy Isabella because you can't teach that kind of speed. Mm -hmm. But a second-round pick in his fourth year, um, this is a failure on everybody's part. Oh, indeed. And Steve Kime will take the brunt of it because it's another failed draft pick, and the three receivers he took in that draft amounted to absolutely nothing for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, in a draft that produced A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and who oh. else? Oh, so Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin. Yeah, okay, yeah. on and on and on, yeah. Cole Hardman. Yeah, there was uh, there was a lot of wide receivers. Deontay it, Johnson. It was, yeah, Deontay Johnson went after Andy Isabella. There I'm, was a, about, I'm missing another big one, though. I think we, there was another big one in that draft um, that I haven't even mentioned yet. Maybe I'm wrong. No, you you are. A lot of those guys went in the first round, but uh, let me pull this up real quick. Didn't did Debo go that year? Yes, nineteen. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Okay. D- Debo, it's Debo. Yeah. So it's Debo, DK Metcalf. It was hit or AJ miss. Brown. Yeah. The uh, Marquise Brown was the first wide receiver taken at number twenty five. Nikhil Harry was second. So you got a hit. You got a miss. Debo Samuel went thirty six. AJ Brown went fifty one. Nicole Hardman went th- 56. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside went 57. Miss. Paris Campbell went 59. Miss. Andy Isabella went 62. Miss. And then Metcalf. And then even after that, Deontay Johnson, uh, Terry McLaurin went in the third round of that, that draft. So, yeah. They, they, yeah, that's, uh, that's a big failure, right? But this isn't solely a Steve Kime problem. If the Cardinals didn't take Andy Isabella at that spot in 2019, another team would have. He was in that mix of wide receivers. So this, yes, it does go down to a draft failure because the guy couldn't play in the league. Um, it goes down to a scouting failure. It goes down to an individual failure on the player mm-hmm. and the development side of it. We saw glimpses of Andy Isabella being useful as recently as preseason. He yeah. was one of the go-to guys in the preseason <laughs> and actually played pretty uh-huh. well. <laughs> so the usage and development uh-huh. was off, too. Well, Jared said something very funny earlier, and I hope you don't mind me sharing this, that all the highlights we have of Andy Isabella, Paul Calvisi's doing play-by-play because he does play-by-play during the preseason, which is the only time Andy Isabella ever made plays. <laughs> it's true. So, so to me, you know what this is? I'll tell you what this is. This is certainly emblematic of Steve Kimes' failures as a drafter. Now, some people will say, but look at the way he scrambled. He 
pulled in DeAndre Hopkins. He made a trade for Hollywood Brown. And, and so the wide receiver room, at least at the very top, it's not none the worse for wear here. But those are also assets he used to acquire those guys that you may not have been, you could have spent elsewhere if if you would have drafted properly. So it's a it's a cutting, a, a double-edged sword here. Uh, I, I think the larger thing is it's more reflective of just the organizational issue of having an owner as involved as Michael Bidwell is. Because this particular drafting of Andy Isabella, I forget what, what TV show or what the vehicle was. I think it was just a Cardinals flight plan or yeah. behind the scenes kind of thing. We all remember that, right? Yeah. Michael Bidwell asking Cliff Kingsbury, who you want, coach? And the and the oh Andy Isabel okay let's do it and so you watch that and you go okay who really did make this draft pick and and that's the process so so to me I I think that all in all this is one of the more poignant recent failures yes and you know since we're looking back let's book, look back to draft night April 26 2019 when Steve Kime said this he brings a different skill set that we don't currently have which is the foot speed and explosiveness to take the top off he ran 4-3 at the combine and again when you watch him on tape he's been productive against everybody went down to the senior bowl and had a lot of success so again he's a guy that we think can come in and contribute right away Four years oh, later, that still yeah, not, that was right. still wasn't the oh, case. Right away is such a broad term. It could it could have been five <laughs> years. Done. Who knows? Right away. Right, right. Th- that that take the top off thing. Uh huh. They tried that like twice. Yeah. And he couldn't find the ball. He, right. And that was the end of that. They never like really <laughs> had him right. go deep like after that's like right. that first year. That's like, it, it, that's exactly right. There were, there were a couple of times when he had have separation on a go route and he'd be down the field. He'd be like, "Where is the football? Let me look left. Let me look right." Oh, wow, my head's on a swivel. And now I'm moving sideways. And now I'm pirouetting. Yeah, and listen, it, it's uh, uh, there was a lot of flaws in his game from the very beginning. The the inability to catch a football with his hands, to catch everything against his chest, the inability to get off press coverage early on, which which I think he did get better at, mm-hmm. and then and then suddenly this crazy weirdness that came from him this preseason when he seemed very embittered toward the organization. So I, I I'm sure he'll get a look somewhere else. It would seem to me that 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 Bill Belichick loves this type of wide receiver, short, quick, fast off the line of scrimmage, plug in and just, you know, well, that that's the thing too. Like I played the Larry Center's announcement of the draft pick. If I would have let that play, you would have heard the ESPN panel immediately make the comparison to Julian Edelman. Yeah. Except yeah. he's way faster. Yeah. And so it so I we'll we'll find out where his career is going, but yeah. it this this is this is not I don't I do not think that this was a, a, a failure in development. I think this is a failure in drafting. Well, it's weird though because like they kept him for the four years, mm-hmm. like they never they never cut they cut the other two receivers they drafted the year. Yeah, I understand yeah, it was that was easy. Of, that was a, a sixth round pick and a and a fourth round. But pick. they kept keeping him without giving him a full chance. It's not like they said like this is the year you know in year three we're going to like start you every game and. and you know, first five games we're going to throw the ball to see what we have. They kept him each year, but they never really. Yeah, but it's also you have to consider it's a bad look and it's an admission of failure. If you cut a second round pick before that first contract is up, you missed. And if he goes somewhere else, like right now, again, I think this failure across the board here. If Andy Isabella goes somewhere else and proves he can play in the league, 
That's another level of failure here because then mm-hmm. you start to point at the yeah. development part of it. Yeah, and, the, and there are a lot of guys now who are like that. Like, I mean, Hassan Reddick, who is now a member of the Philadelphia Eagles and how productive he has been yeah. since his last year in Arizona and beyond. So what's the bigger sin? Is it cutting somebody who could develop into someone later and you realize you failed at developing them or just completely whiffing on the draft pick in the first place? The first one. I think it's no. I think it's the second one. If you draft a guy that's proven can't play in the league, like you get him to minicamp, and you're like, oh my goodness, he he fooled us. Which there's fooling that goes on in the pre-draft process with with combine tests and interviews and all of that stuff. Yeah, I think that's the bigger one. Well, what's worse? I mean, yeah, it's it's is it worse to be bad at scouting or worse to be bad at developing? Yeah, right. And and they're both terrible. And and again, there's a level of draft failure that just is inherent to the business. And I and, and I, I swear, I just talked to somebody who was on the sideline of a football game and was blown away at how violent football actually is at, at field level. Yes. And if, any, if anyone has ever been on the sideline, it is really jarring how much violence takes place in every single play. There are people who just draft picks who who can handle that in college and they get to college and they're like, oh, no. And it's it's a fear thing. So there's an element of, you know what, there's going to be a chunky percentage of guys coming out of college that are not going to make it for that sure. reason sure. alone. It's an inexact science. Yeah. It's not like there's a team out there that hits on every yeah. one of their no. draft picks. The Raiders cut a first-round pick from like a couple, that Leatherwood guy from like last a couple, year. Right. Last year yeah. they cut yeah. him this year. So yeah, that was also a different thing, front office that did that. I think the development thing is more egregious because that you can control. Yeah. Uh, by the way, still from that 2019 draft uh, that we're talking Talking about Cardinals still have Kyler Murray, Byron Murphy, Zach Allen, and Michael Dogby. So it still was a pretty productive draft, all things well, considered. Well, they're best yeah, they, one in the last yeah, five years. Three sure. picks that 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 could go down. That could hopefully one day be looked at as the Fitzgerald Dansby docket thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, coming up next, Aaron Judge finally did it. He hit number sixty-two to carve his place out in the American League record books. We'll get into all of it next. Bickley and Murata mornings, ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. <laughs> Okay, on yes, calling the long-awaited 60-second home run for Aaron Judge last night in the Yankees-Rangers game uh, uh, in Arlington. So the uh, fans of uh, the Texas Rangers got a treat last night. The highest attendance ever at that ballpark since, Is that right? since it opened okay. in its third season. Yeah, uh, we, we can't go any further without hearing the John Sterling call, can we? Uh, my life wouldn't be complete without it. <laughs> Here's the 1-1. One, one. <laughs> Swung on. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. Aaron Judge hits his 62nd. All the Yankees out of the dugout to greet him. Just think of it. Three Yankee right fielders. The Babe hitting 60 and 27. The Jolly Roger. Hitting 61 and 61. And now Aaron Judge hits his 62nd home run. The most home runs any American leaguer has hit in a single season. 
And the American League has been alive for 120 years. This is Judgment Day. Case closed. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. Brought them oh all out goodness. on that one. Oh, yeah, got it all out. The Jolly <laughs> Roger. Out. Oh, yeah. The list. Jolly Roger. Never heard that one. I never heard so, anybody call Roger Maris the Jolly so let's, Roger. So let's, let's talk about it. So what does this really mean? How does this resonate? How big Jar- and how important is this? Jared has a lot of thoughts on this. He was sharing them on Twitter last night. This well, is that. In Jarrett's mind, this is the seventh best home run uh, season of all time. He's the he's the American League champion, mm-hmm. which is it was a beautiful like asterisk that they were able to do this year and treat it like it was a real record because it was a record. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, like it worked that they could do it because it wasn't just a number that he was doing; it was an actual record. Yeah. Does anyone know? Whose National League record Mark McGuire broke? That just shows you how no, ridic- how I, how, I, yeah, I, how silly like the league by league record thing is. Yeah, but the, the National League record was less than the American League record slash Major League. Record I know what I, what I'm just saying is that like what was the answer by the way? Hack Wilson in 1930 hit 56 home runs. That's right. That's right. Well, listen. There was a time when there was not intra league play. There was yeah, intra league yeah. play. There was a time when when was only these, these games were 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 different. The you know the designated hitter and all that. So there was enough separation between the leagues that you could kind of look at these league achievements as being valid. I don't think there's really this groundswell of people trying to say this is the new home run champion of all time. Let's forget about Sosa. Do you think that's happening? Yes, I think I, some people. I brought this I up earlier. Know. I think baseball fans are they are forced to believe what they want to believe. Yes. It's it's almost religious in that in in that way. Do you believe that Barry Bonds' seventy three home runs should stand up? Can you train yourself, even if you're against what he did? Can you train yourself to think, "Oh, that didn't happen"? Yeah. Let me just wipe that away from my mem- memory book. I, because baseball cele- baseball as an entity celebrated Barry Bonds while he was doing it. Yeah, they less so though than Yeah, it's it's a matter of do we recognize reality or do we recognize what quote unquote should be. Yeah, and and, Which I, is the clean and I think that baseball has just been so filthy ever since then with cheating scandals and the Astros and and umpires checking guys gloves. There's been so much of that that I just I think it's kind of really just taken a lot of the luster out of these individual, individual achievements. Now they've kept those guys all out of the Hall of Fame, the three other home run guys. Yeah. But they haven't taken away the records. Like if no, you know when they showed the records Aaron Judge is seventh on the all-time list, which yeah. is it's gross. I could pull it's, up. It's gross that there's so I many agree. people, uh, I, so listen, many sixty home run seasons and seventy. I, I completely agree with you. And and uh, listen, I lived through the fraud of Sammy Sosa, and for him to have three sixty-plus home run seasons is it's an abomination. But, but it, it happened. But I think right. But and it's I think still it's also, there. And it's still there. But I think it's kind of obliterated any joy or, or any stickiness to this achievement. I think this is great for Yankees fans because it. Mm. it and I think it's great for the Maris family and the Yankee family because it just it kind of brings closure to the McGuire Maris family kind of weirdness that happened. 
and 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 for Yankee fans now you can you can claim another home run hero and and feel good about this one you know I I just I wonder exactly you know what has really truly been lost in baseball when it comes to records well I mean we always talk about the importance of records and numbers in baseball in terms of its history and the strong point that baseball still has going for it, and that's why people are upset is its history you know what has been part of the baseball's history since the major league since the national league was founded in 1876 that people don't like to talk about uh uh-huh. cheating Stealing signs. It, it goes. It's so deep. It's part yeah. of the fabric of I know. baseball. I know. And that's what that's. And so I something has been lost here. And, and I I find to me the far more interesting story is what happened with the home run ball. The guy who caught it. The guy who jumped down to the uh, the bullpen area in case the ball went down there. I thought that was actually pretty. If he if he didn't break his legs, I thought that was pretty smart. Well, <laughs> if, if if that was planned, that was quite something to have that recognition that oh here it is. There's the home run I've been waiting for. Time to enact my plan and jump down twenty feet yeah. and hopefully not break my feet and my ankles. And it's because that's what sports has become. It's about what, what, how much can you make me? What can yes. you do for me? And I'm not here to celebrate you. That's the difference. Sports fans, and I know this in journalism, and Sarah, you probably know this as well. There was a time when there was a big market for feel-good personality pieces on athletes. The appetite for that has really waned. And I know I've seen the metrics. If you put a bunch of stories on a website that are are – you know, controversial, spicy, whatever, and you put a real, well-reported human interest story, the human interest story is likely going to die on the vine. Mm -hmm. And that is because we don't look at sports for heroes anymore. We look at it, what can you do for me? What fantasy points can you bring me? What money can you bring me? Because especially with gaming now. You're going to help yep. me hit my parlay? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And so it's it's the, I'm not here to celebrate you. That's kind of a mentality that I think is kind of part of this as well. Yeah, the guy who caught the ball, Corey Humans, uh, a vice president at Fisher Investments, a firm that manages $197 billion worldwide. <laughs> yeah. he's, mar- he's married to a sports reporter uh-huh. who was on The Bachelor or Bachelorette, one of them. Yeah. And more importantly, friends with uh, Aaron Maloney. Yeah, Aaron Maloney went to school with the wife. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So she uh, runs in big circles. Aaron she Malone. does. That's right. So it's a case. This guy, a rich guy, getting richer. I wonder how much he paid for that ticket. That so, normally you would not. If you're a Rangers fan, you'd and, never want to sit in those seats unless yeah, it was last night. Everything about the 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 superficial makeup of this fan checked every box of how not to celebrate the fan who caught this, including the fact that there were two dudes with gloves, and this dude who got it kind of just bullied the other guy out of the way. There's also they showed video of him being escorted out by security. And was, he still had his drink in his hand as he was walking out. <laughs> he did. I saw yeah, that. Little smirk. I saw thing, that. Yes. Honestly, the only thing that was missing was a visor. Well, but, <laughs> but, but the question's going to be now. I think what's that guy going to do with that baseball? Is it going to be up for the highest bidder? 
So he's guaranteed at least two million dollars. They asked him, and he said, "Good question. I haven't thought about it yet. I've got to finish my cocktail first. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Delta Bravo. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Week five of Bix Picks is here. Text the word "pick" to six twenty six twenty to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize: a seventy five inch TV, courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a fifty dollar gift card to Cold Beers and Cheese. Burgers, just text pick to 620 620 to enter. Coming up next, last week we talked about it. No conversation between DA and Monty Williams after game seven, and apparently still none. And one of those parties would like you to stop bringing it up. Thank you very much. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Coach DeAndre every day in practice, and I've already said this. I'm not going to keep talking about every time I sit down and talk with somebody. I'm not going to address it or, or you know, make a a statement about it. I coach him hard every day in practice. You see, he's here getting his work in. Like that's what we expect of our guys. I'm talking about whether or not I talk to a guy, I think it's kind of sensitive. That's Monty Williams, the head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Yesterday, a follow up on the story from last week. You had media day mm-hmm. the day after media day. DeAndre Ayton tells the media and interrupts a question, basically to say, "I haven't talked to Monty Williams at all." Yeah, since Game Seven. Yeah. Monty Williams confirmed that. Said no, we we didn't talk. And he's not budging. I haven't. He's ta- not I haven't, budging. I haven't talked to him. That, you know, and you could hear the frustration in Monty's voice. That's about as frustrated as you'll hear him in dealing with the media. But there was another question about. We him. don't need to hear anything. That's that's my point. I'm not going to keep addressing that. It's like he's the player. I'm the coach. Just like with Book and Chris and Gail. DA gets his work in every day. He's at 22 and 12 in 20 minutes. Like, those are the kinds of things that we expect from him. I don't need to sit down and talk to him. Honestly speaking, Vic, I think this was a story last week. And I think there was uh, responsibility to be shared by both player and coach in this, mostly on the coach's side. But, hey, Monty Williams has made his choice. He's got his style of coaching. I think week two oh, of this, no, is, it's not necessary. Isn't it out of character? Isn't it, style? Isn't it out of character, style? though? This, this is, is out, completely out of character. I don't need to talk to him. I'm not going to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. I don't have, like, isn't his whole thing about, like, we're a family? Yes. They could read out, yes. reach out to me at any time. Yeah. Like, the takeaway from that soundbite is he is not budging off this hardcore approach he is taking with Monty Williams, and a lot of people are really perplexed by this. Uh, I ran into Charles Bar. Barkley on the golf course yesterday. Did you? Yes, and and we had a conversation, and he's I knew like, I should have played. And he's like, Monty Williams needs to get ahead of this. He needs to talk to Da, and this is a strategy. That that again, this is what we're talking about. This is so out of character for him. For for Monty Williams to act like, look, guys, stop asking me about this. Well, they're asking because this is so not you. This is everything you are not as a servant leader. So once again, it gets back to my original point. This is a strategy. Gambo yesterday had a good line. He said it's a hundred. He said yesterday marked a hundred days to Christmas and a hundred and twenty days until they can trade Da. And everybody is just marking dates off the calendar. That's how Monty Williams is acting. 
So, I mean, the idea that, come on, guys, I'm not going to do this every day. The reason why these questions are being asked is because this is not Monty Williams' style. That's fair, but it also is stemming from an incident that, you know, as head coach of the Suns, he had not dealt with before. A frustrating, embarrassing loss. Look, again, last week my stance was different. I think it's time for the Suns to accomplish what they want to. I think it's time for the Suns to move on. And they obviously have moved on. They have, right. But I would be way more concerned at this point during this whole process if... Look, DA has, has appeared to be despondent in, 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 in some media availability, not all of it. You know, he came in after the game the other night and, was, and he sounded like DA again. He's like, oh, man, them, them boys can shoot. Um, you know, if he looked affected on the court by this, which he doesn't, he played really well the other night. You know, if he wasn't his usual jovial pregame self throwing up, you know, half court, three quarter court granny shots before the game, he was doing mm-hmm. that on Sunday as well. Um, I, I'm not dismissing the possibility that what Gambo brought up, 120 days until they trade DA, that still very well might be in the works. Um, but if it's not, why is the head coach choosing to treat DA like this? This is the question. If if they're not, if this isn't a putting up a wall because we're done with you, dude. Then what is it? They're moving on, but why are they moving on yeah, without resolving this I, first? I, it, All he has to say is like, "Yeah, I talked to him. Everything's we're good. We're, cool. we're yeah." It, continuing the stance that no, I'm not. Ta- I, he shows up to work. He's doing his job as a player. It's either they're this is the way. Either they're throwing up their hands and they're saying, "No, we're done. We're done with the coddling. We're done with the pushing and the prodding and all the mind games to try to get you to be a a, a, a great player. You have got your bag. Now it's on you to prove it. And we're done with with all the kid stuff." Okay, if 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 that is the strategy, we're going to see how it works out. But if that is the strategy, it's a risk you're taking because D.A. more than anybody needs the pats on the head and he and he needs the good vibes around him. And I'm not sure how many good vibes are around this basketball team right now. There's going to be a lot of people, a lot of a, a disproportionate amount of people watching this stupid preseason game tonight, wondering what in the heck is going on with our basketball team. Well, that is happening. There's no doubt. Uh, Monty Williams did talk about that as well, what he wants to see change from the first preseason game to tonight's game against the Lakers. Habit stamina. I just said it to the guys. They probably are you know, scratching their head every time I come up with another phrase. But our habits have to go up. Transition defense, we got to be a better communicating team on both on, on the backside. Um, the ability to you know contest shots without fouling. Um, growing the offense away from Chris and Book, but also understanding that, that that's not something we're going to throw away from. I mean, we don't want to just take the ball out of their hands for 48 minutes. That, we ain't going to win a lot of games doing that. But there are veins of our offense that we can grow with those guys away from the ball. Uh, and just to, you know, getting in better shape to, to play for longer stretches. I thought we took a step the other day. I'll play the guys a bit more minutes tomorrow. Uh, I want to try to get them up to as close as I can to their full allotment of minutes by the third game. So i got to bump it up a bit tomorrow. Yeah, so maybe high 20s, low 30s in minutes for, yeah. those, for those starters. Maybe. Um, you know, 
I'm real curious to see what Dario Saric's involvement is tonight. Yeah. You know, Monty Williams chose not to play Dario in the first preseason games and then cited that, uh, you know, it, it's it's big for him coming back from the injury that he's coming back from. But again, he's got, you know, international tournament experience very recently in his past. Right. And looks to be 100%, looked to be yeah. 100% playing and, for his home country. And yeah, and you'd like to see that. I mean, the jury's out on how, how I've heard people debate how well he actually played. To me, that's not the point. The point is after those injuries that he that he went out and trusted it mm-hmm. and played high level basketball, regardless of what numbers he put up. Yeah, I, I we all kind of thought that a return of a functioning Dario Saric might be a positive for this year because of the way he organizes the offense and gathers and, and moves the ball and mm-hmm. makes the right play. So yeah, and uh, it's uh, it'll be interesting. This, this this basketball team is quite an interesting thing right now. It, it's it's no one is quite certain where this thing is going. There's maybe no team, maybe Brooklyn, but there's no other team just ready for the regular season to start like the Suns are. You got to think that like everything that happened, they just want to play games. Well, that and well, Boston's dealing with it. Too. <laughs> Boston too. <laughs> They've got a little bit of stuff going on. Monty Williams also said uh, nothing new to report on the Jay Crowder front. Yeah, we'll keep a we'll keep a calendar a running calendar that on well. that. How many yeah. days? <laughs> yeah. uh, Suns and Lakers tonight from Las Vegas. A game you can hear here on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station. Coming up next, just a few days away from the Cardinals' Week Five showdown with the only team still undefeated in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get into all of it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station.